0: Welcome to New Life Church. Man, we are awesome that you join, join in with us, whether you're watching live now on Facebook or you listen later to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Man, we have an exciting, exciting uh, time of our church. Man, there's a lot of good things happening in our church, y'all. One of the big things, we just mentioned it, but for those that are just logging on with us, one of the biggest things is on August the 1st, it made one year since tomorrow and I have been pastors of the church. And a lot has changed in one year. There's a lot that we've been done. So what we want to do is next, uh, I'm sorry, not next Friday, this Friday, this Friday, August the 20th, we want to celebrate with you guys. We're going to have a service just highlighting, review everything that we did this past year, all the outreaches, the events that we've had. We're going to celebrate this Friday in the sanctuary at 6 it's going to be awesome. We're going to have food for you guys. I hear we have some uh, barbecued raccoon and possum. No, I'm just joking. We, we're we not eating those. Nobody will show up. <laughs> but no, we're going to have some food for y'all. It's going to be fun. So we're just going to highlight all that we've done this past year and also give you a look ahead of what's to come for 2022. That is a big event that's happening uh, this Friday, but also a big event that's happening Wednesday is that tomorrow, and I celebrate nine years of marriage. So, this Wednesday on the eighteenth will be our ninth wedding anniversary. Happy early anniversary! I expect a nice gift. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no but man, we've been married nine years this uh, this Wednesday, and it's been we got married right here in this church as well. So that's pretty cool. So, man, we're excited about that. Man, there's a lot of exciting things. There's one more exciting thing I want to share with you. So this past Friday, like our daughter has been bugging us like like crazy for a dog. And we kind of looked at different dogs, and we were like, maybe we should get one, maybe we shouldn't. And then uh, one of our overseers, our pastor, they had a little puppy, and we just kind of fell in love with it. So we got her a puppy this Friday. Uh, It's a little cavipoo, which is a cavalier and a poodle mix, and her name is Jolie, and she kept us up all night last night crying, but she's a sweet dog, and we are excited about that. But man, if you're just joining with us, or if you hadn't been here in a couple weeks, we are in the middle of a sermon series called Blueprints. Y'all say blueprints. Blueprints. And Blueprints, all we're doing is talking about building your life on wisdom, Building your life on wisdom. And just a small recap, wisdom is for things that you can control. Faith is for things that are out of your control. And more oftentimes than not, we have more control over things that we don't. And so we need wisdom. We need God to give us wisdom on how to govern, how to make decisions, uh, how to live day-to-day life. We need God's wisdom to make right decisions. Because I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I thought I knew this was the right answer. Or I knew this was the right decision, and I didn't consult God, and I just went on and made that decision. And then I look back and I say, what in the world have I got myself into? What in the world have I done? I didn't use wisdom. And so this is this whole series we've been talking about. This is week three that we're talking about wisdom. And if you walked in, we uh, had an outline for you so you can follow along in the notes. Also, if you download our app, New Life Church of Mobile, whether you have Android or or an iPhone, You can follow along with the notes on the app as well. And also the messages, you can go back and listen to all the messages on the app. It's a lot of different things, all events. You can find all that information on the app. Just want to let you know that that is available for you. So today's message, we're talking about blueprints, building on the wisdom of God. And today, in week three, we're talking about building on the fear of God. Building on the fear of God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit we thank you for your presence we thank you for who you are in our lives I thank you that you're we can feel you that you're here that you speak into our hearts speak a clear word to our hearts today and building our lives on wisdom and the fear of God in Jesus name amen. amen amen building on the fear of God and I know when we hear that word fear of God I fear a lot of people say I fear the only person I fear is God I don't fear no man and that's true that should be the way but our lives should reflect the lifestyle that says that we fear God. And sometimes we can relegate uh, the fear of God to an Old Testament principle. Like, the fear of God, that stuff is for the Old Testament. And we're living in the New Testament age now. We shouldn't have to worry about fearing God. But that's totally false. The Word says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So if the beginning of wisdom, and we're talking about wisdom, in order to have wisdom, we have to make sure that, hey, do I fear the Lord. Am I building my life on the fear of the Lord? And that's what we're going to look at today and we're going to uh, dive into this today. Job chapter 28 verse 27 and 28, it reads, "Then we saw wisdom, then he saw wisdom and evaluated it. He set it in place and examined it, examined it thoroughly. And this is what he says to all humanity. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. Man, that's such a good verse. It says, then he saw wisdom and evaluated it. He set it in place and examined it thoroughly. And after his examination, he says he examined it thoroughly, that he realized this, that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, or fear of the Lord is true wisdom. That's true wisdom. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. So we can see just by these two verses right here that in order to build a foundation of wisdom, we have to have a fear of the Lord. And I know sometimes we hear that fear of the Lord, then you, it, it, it can bring fear <laughs> in a bad way where you're like, oh, I, I, the fear of the Lord, that, that's some heavy stuff. That's uh, 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 fire and brimstone. And it's like, no, 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 that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about a, a fear of God in a way that, that makes you fearful, but we're talking about just the fear of the Lord that you just in, in unraveled with his awe. Or you just enamored in awe of God. A Christianity that's void of the fear of the God is not Christianity at all. If you're serving a God that you're not fearful of, that, that is not Christianity at all. The basis of our, our, our hope, of our belief, it starts with the fear of the Lord. It's just like this. Football season is about to start. If a team is on offense and an offensive lineman jumps off sides a little bit or a false starts, does a false start, they still go through the play, they throw a touchdown, guess what? It has to come back. Because the offensive lineman, he started, it was a false start. It doesn't count. You got to do it again. That's like what we do in our life when we build the foundation or lay a foundation without the fear of the Lord. It's like a false start. We got to start back over and we got to do it again. Because we didn't build the foundation the right way on the fear of the Lord. You could say, well, I'm going to build a house. Well, if you don't build a house with a solid foundation, guess what? You're going to have to tear the house down and start over. What a great picture of our lives. If we don't build our lives or lay that foundation with the healthy fear of God, then we'll get to a point in our life, it may be in your 20s, maybe be in your 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever the case may be, but you'll get to the point you say, you know what, i got to tear this all down because I've been building on the wrong foundation. I've been building on the foundation of pride. I've been building on the foundation of self. I've been building on the foundation of greed. And we build our foundation in our lives on all these things. But the fear of the Lord is the foundation for wisdom. So what I'm trying to communicate to you today is we need the fear of the Lord to have wisdom. You truly want to be wise? Fear the Lord. Amen. Amen. Jesus, he had the fear of God. In Isaiah chapter 11, it says that fear of God, the fear of God rested upon him. So if Jesus had a healthy fear of God, how much so do we need to fear God? He's the son of God, and he feared him so much so we need that as well. When we talk about the fear of God, we also have to talk about the love of God. The love of God is so powerful and greater than any love that you have for someone else. I love my wife and I love my daughter more than anything in the world. But when I compare the love of God that he has towards me and us, it my love for my wife and my daughter, I would do anything for them. I would lay down my life for them. But when I think about God's love for us, my love for my family doesn't even compare it to how much God loves us. That is a love that is so deep that in our minds we can't fully understand it. Think about this. I don't know if you have children or not, but think about your children. Would you give up your child for the redemption of the world? You say, you know what, I'm going to sacrifice my child so everybody in the world could be right with God. The question is, well, the good thing is you don't have to do that because Jesus already did it. But the point is, is that this, you couldn't do it because that the, just think about how much you love your child. That doesn't even compare to how much God loves us. So when we talk about the fear of God, we have to also talk about the love of God because it's what the love of God that compares us to fear him. Because when you realize how much, how passionately in love he is with you, it'll cause you to look at him differently. When if you've married or you've been in a romantic relationship before, when you see how passionate someone is about you or you see how much they love you, you start to look at them a little bit different. You say, you know what? I think I might need to take them a little bit more serious now. I think we talked about Lenny Williams last week. Y'all didn't even know who I was talking about. That man was in some pain. (laughs) Y'all don't get it, but go back and listen to next week. You'll know what I'm talking about. But when you think about God's love, it compels you to look at him different. Different. God's love is so infinite, it will never run out. He is madly in love with us, and nothing will ever change that. I know we do things, and we like, man, I'd have messed up. God's mad at me. God's love will never run out on you. I don't know if you ever heard that before, if no one has ever told you that before. God's love will never run out on you. There's nothing that you can do. You say, oh, I've done the impartable sin. No, you didn't. The fact that you're in here today lets you know you didn't. There's nothing that you can do that you can escape the love of God. There's nothing that you can do that what God says, you know what, I'm done with them. I'm finished with them. No, his love never runs out. That's the love. Our love is with limits. It's like, well, I love you as long as you do what I want you to do. But as soon as you start getting out of line and you know what, I'm out. I have to find somebody else, or I'm, we can't kick it no more because, you know what? This is just not working because you're not meeting my needs or what I want. But God is not like that. We force our needs on him. God, you need to meet my needs. Then if you don't, I'm out. But God says, no, my love for you will never run out. Man, that's a deep love, y'all. God, he loves us. He loves us. God loves us, but we can't be in relationship with him if we don't fear him. Now, that's the other half of that coin. Yes, he's passionately in love with us, but we can't be in relationship with him if we don't fear him. Psalms chapter 25, verse 14. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. What does that mean? In order to be his friend, you have to fear him. In order to be in relationship with him, you have to fear him because if we only talk about the fluffy loving side of God, we'll never have a close walk with him. If you never talk about the fear of God and, and you only talk about the love of God and never talk about the fear of God, you will never have a close relationship with him. Because what you need is a balance. You need a balance of his love and the fear of him because it's in his love and, his, his, and the fear of him that brings discipline because discipline is what we need it's not right. nobody likes discipline but we, we, a little child never says you know what mommy i think i need some more discipline you know what i think i think i deserve some more discipline can you please give me some no nobody seeks discipline but it's good for our soul and when you have a healthy balance of god's love and and a fear of god then it brings a balance and it brings this incredible relationship with God that you're like, you know what, I didn't even know my relationship with God can be like this, but you have to experience his love and have a fear for him at the same time. So now we're going to just talk about, let's define what it means to fear God. I'm just setting this up for you so we can define and just explore what exactly does it mean to fear God. The first thing the fear God means is this, is that it means reverence. Fearing God is reverence. This means treating something sacred or holy. So when we fear God, this means that I have a deep reverence for who he is. You know, culture, there's nothing sacred in culture anymore. There's nothing sacred in culture. Culture tries to make everything common. Everything common. You can even look at commercials now. Commercials push so many agendas, they're trying to make everything normal. They're trying to make everything common because they don't want to consider anything sacred anymore. And in a world and a society that doesn't try, that's trying to make everything common, and the reason they're trying to make everything common is because it makes them feel good. Because when everything is common, that means, you know what, I can do whatever I want, and I don't have to feel the guilt because I know I'm doing something wrong. But if everything is common, then guess what? It doesn't matter. Everybody can do what they want to do because I don't have to live with that guilt. That's why they're trying to make everything so common. When every, think about it. When everything is normal, everything is cool, you can do what you want to do. There's no guilt, but have you ever walked into an environment that you weren't used to, and there was already a culture established there, and then you just felt like, I just don't feel like I fit in here. It's not that you don't fit in here, it's that there's already a, a culture established that you just say, you know what, I have to align myself to this culture because obviously the things that I'm doing don't fit in here. That's what it is like with a relationship with God. Sometimes you can run from God. You say, I just don't fit in with God. It's not that you don't fit in with God. It's just that your nature is not reverence of, or you're not in a place of reverence or fear of him where you fit your life to meet him or to tailor into him. And so what we have to realize is that God is, he's holy, he's sacred, he's not common. God is not common. I don't treat God like I treat everybody else. I don't treat God like, because why? He's sacred. He's not com- He's not common. You know, in the Old Testament, God created the Ark of the Covenant. And he wanted his presence to reside in the Ark of the Covenant. And he wanted you to fear his presence and reverence it so much that he said, you can't even touch the Ark. There was a time where it says that they were carrying it on a trip and they were holding it and it began to fall a little bit. And the guy just said, oh, it's about to fall. Let me just put my hand to balance it. He tried to put his hand, and he touched it to balance it, and he instantly died. Just because he touched the presence of God. And it says that fear swept throughout the whole community. Why is that? Because that's a holy fear of God. Just his presence. Like I, you know, if I'm walking down the street and I see you fall, I might help you up, but I'm not going to die. But when we talk, because that's not God's presence. But when we talk about God's presence, we don't treat it as common. You can't treat it as common. And he says, you know what? I don't even want you to look into the Ark of the Covenant. Because even if you look at my presence, you'll die. That means a reverence. That's a fear of him. When you think of something in that great, now you start to think twice. Like, you know what? Maybe I need to think about what I'm doing before I do it. What is that? That's building wisdom on the fear of the Lord. He's not common. Because Jesus was reverent of God, he had reverence for God, he prayed this prayer, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Or what he was saying is, holy is your name, God. Holy is your name. And in Hebrews 5, 7, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleading with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. When you have a deep reverence for God, guess what? He will hear your prayers. The reason that uh, Jesus' prayers were answered, we just read it right here. It was his prayers were answered because he had a deep reverence for who God was. And because of that, God said, You know what? I'm going to answer his prayers. Well, you say, Well, that's his son. He can do whatever he wants to. He can. But it was because of his reverence for him that prompted him to answer his prayers. And if you say, Well, I don't feel like God is answering my prayers, just ask yourself this How is your reverence for God? Are you treating God as common? Because I know I'm not the only one that's done this. I've prayed prayers like this. Maybe I'm just the only one, so I'll just put it on myself. Maybe you you holy and you hadn't done this. But I know I've prayed prayers like this. God, if you just get me out of this, I promise I won't do it again. Just, just get me out of this situation, God. On the night drinking too much, God, just let me make it home. I promise I won't drink again. Just let me make it to my house safe, Lord, and I'm drinking again the next night. Forgetting about that prayer. What is that? That's because I'm treating him as common. There's no reverence. That's just throw, it's just throw up prayers. I'll just throw it up and hope he answers it or not. And even if he does or doesn't, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Why is that? Because I'm treating him as common. I'm not treating him as holy. I'm not reverent. I'm not, I don't have a reverence for who he truly is. And when I realized that, I said, you know what? I need to change my life because I'm saying these prayers a lot often lately. <laughs> God, just get me out of this I said, how many situations you got to get me out of before I realize I'm not doing something right? But in my life, I didn't have a fear of him. I treated him as common. We have to have a reverence for who God is. Amen? That's the first thing. What does it mean to fear the Lord? We have to have a reverence for who God is. Second thing is, fearing God is, is honor. Fearing God is honor. Think of someone like your mom or your dad or someone in your life that you honor. When they walk in the room or you see a door, you want to open the door for them. Or if they walk in and they need some, some help walking, you want to hold their hand. Or it's like when you think about the person with the most honor, I think about royalty. Like, you know, there's dignitaries and royalty all over the world, and they require honor. Like, I think about the Queen of England. Like, when you get in your, you have to bow before her. And to us, we're like, I don't bow to nobody. But in their culture, there is such honor that you have to bow before the queen. How much more should we honor God? How much more should we honor God? When you honor God, it means that you put him first. When I honor God, it means I put him first. That means that I give him my very best. It's because I honor God, I give God my very best. I give him my first fruits. That means with my time and my money. That means I give God my very best. And something came to, I guess, more alive or real to me is when I began to put an honor to God when it came to my finances. I would always find myself in situations where I was in lack. It's like I wasn't struggling too bad, but I wouldn't like, man, if I don't, I don't know how I'm gonna make it this month. Some months it was like that. But it wasn't like I'm going under, but at the same time, I still didn't have what I needed all the time. And when I began to put honor God in my finances and my time, I said, you know what? Not only I'm gonna honor him with my, my money, I'm gonna honor him with my time of reading the word, of praying, and when I showed that honor to him, it began to, wisdom began to develop in my mind, and I said, you know what, maybe I need a budget, and then as I'm honoring him with my time, he begins to speak to me and says, you know what, I just need to put my finances in order, and then I get a budget, and guess what, now my finances in order, and then I look at the tithe, and I say, God, as soon as I get paid, I'm giving you the tenth, a tenth of my gross from the jump. Right from the beginning, I'm not thinking, before I pay anything, I'm giving you my tithe. I'm giving you my very best because I want to honor you. And, that, and as a result of that, my life has financially has been blessed. There have been seasons where I could tell you, tomorrow I can testify to this. I don't know how we made it, but God made a way because we honored Him with the tithe. Amen. When you're faithful to give God and honor Him with the tithe and your best, I'm telling you, things change in your life. You'll be like, God, how, how I have more money than month left you faithful with the tithe because you honor God. And I want to read this, and, and I'm not saying this because I'm trying to get your money. I don't care about your money. I'm just trying to get you to honor God. Because what you do with your money, it doesn't matter to me. It's between you and God. And I know a lot of people think, well, churches, they just want to talk about money because they need it. No, I'm trying to tell you something that's going to help your life. <laughs> if you ever feel like your money is funny, I'm telling you what to do. Tithe. Honor God with that. But this is Malachi chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. This is the word. It says, The Lord of heaven's armies says to the priest, As a son honors his father and a servant respects his master, if I am your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name, but you ask, how have you ever shown contempt for for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. You, when you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong for animals that are crippled and diseased? Try, try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's army. So what the Lord is saying is, don't give me your leftover scraps. Give me your best. Honor me with your best. Honor me with your best. In everything you do on your workplace, honor God with your best. When you, I'm gonna be the best employee that my work, that my company has ever had, because I'm gonna honor them with my best. Yeah. In my appearance, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna honor God in my appearance. I'm gonna be the very best dresser that I could possibly be. In my, uh, in my car, it's gonna be clean. My house is gonna be clean. I'm gonna honor God with my very best. So, with everything you do, what you're doing is you're showing honor for God yeah. because you're giving him your very best. I know I'm talking about finances, all these, but give God your best in everything you do. Mm-hmm. Honor Him in everything you do, and when you give Him your best, guess what? You'll begin to see doors open for you. Yeah. That promotion you want? Be the best employee. That promotion, it'll come. Oh, well, we can't lose. We can't lose you. What? What you need to raise? You need. What? What do we need to do to keep you? What is that? Because you're, the, you're giving them the, your, your very best, and when you honor God with your best, doors open. Amen. So that's the second thing, fearing God is honor. Third thing is this, fearing God is acknowledging. Fearing God is acknowledging. You know, there are some people, they just want you to know that their opinion matters. You don't have to agree with it. You don't even have to take their advice. They just want you to know that I have an opinion and my opinion matters. I I watch a lot of sports and they have a lot of, now all sports shows pretty much are debate shows now where everybody wants to debate their opinion, who's the goat. They got all these different debate shows, and most of it is foolishness anyway. They're just saying stuff just to get ratings. But the point is, is that people turn into them just because they want to hear their opinion. And everybody wants to acknowledge or give their opinion, but God says, I need you to value my approval and my opinion more than anybody's. Because all of us have certain people that we go to that we say, I need to talk to such and such because I need to see what they have to say about it, which is great. We should have people that we bounce things off of, but ultimately, we need to acknowledge that, God, I value your opinion more than anyone else's. God, your approval is the one that I need the most. I have a little uh, eight-year-old daughter, and she wants my approval so bad. Whenever she gets dressed, she gets dressed and she comes to me because she wants me to tell her how pretty she is. When she does well in school, she wants me to tell her, you're doing a great job. Because she values my approval. She wants to acknowledge that I acknowledge her. But God is the same way. He says, I want you to acknowledge me in your decisions. So even before you make a decision, God says, hey, hey, seek me. Come seek my approval. But most times what we do is, I think I know what's best for my own life. So I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I only listen to myself. How's that happened? How's that worked out for you in the past? But God says, acknowledge me, and even in your decisions, acknowledge me in everything that you do. Fearing God is caring about his approval. When you fear God, you care about his approval. You say, you know what? I know this is a big decision. I need to seek the Lord about this because I can't afford to mess this up. So you know what? I need to pray about this. Before I make a decision, I need to pray. Any big decision that I have, I will not make that decision unless I have a peace from God either a piece to say yes or a piece to say no. And I'm not moving because I value his his approval that much. We need to honor God or fear God in a way that says, God, I acknowledge you. And when you make a practice of acknowledging God, you'll realize that he's speaking to you more than you thought. Because now all you're doing is acknowledging him. You're saying, God, I need your help in this. He's like, here you go, right here. Oh, thank you, God. Didn't even know I was going to be that quick. But he's right there. He's right there to answer, and he's right there to speak to you Because you're acknowledging him. But if you only acknowledge him in times of trouble, then you might feel like, I don't know how God speaks to me. So you acknowledge him whether things are good or bad. When things are great, I still acknowledge. Thank you, Lord, for everything that's going great in my life. And when I'm in times of trouble, thank you, Lord, that times of of, of trouble will not last forever. I thank you that you're bringing me out of this situation, but I'm still acknowledging him. Fear of the Lord means I acknowledge him in everything that I do. Make a practice of acknowledging God. I acknowledge God in my work. In the workplace, God, I invite you to my cubicle or my desk. You with me, God, in my car. God, I thank you that you're riding shotgun with me. Everything that you do, you acknowledge God. Amen? That's the third thing. Fourth thing is we're talking about fear of the Lord, how to build wisdom on the fear of God. We're talking about building wisdom, building wisdom today on the fear of God. The fourth thing, fearing God is alignment. Fearing God is alignment. Alignment is this. I'm aligning myself with who God is. I kind of mentioned that a little bit in the beginning. Aligning myself with God's perspective. When I come in alignment with God, my perspective no longer matters. I align my perspective and my beliefs to his. That is a big one. This is a big one because we all have beliefs. We all have opinions about everything. We all have preferences on everything. We could, I could go around and room, what's your favorite ice cream? We can get all different answers. Does that mean everybody's wrong that they don't? yours is not like yours? No, it's just their preference. What's your favorite food? What's your favorite shoes? What's your favorite brand? All these things are preferences. There's not right or wrong things. But when there's a world that says, hey, do whatever you want, then your perspective and your opinions begin to change. And what you find yourself is we're out of alignment with who God is. Yeah. We find ourselves in a place where my perspective, I'm no longer aligned with who God is. I'm just doing my own thing. And we have to come into alignment with what God's word says and what his views are. Because when it comes to my preferences, honestly, it don't even matter. I have to say, what does what does God's word say about this? Whatever God's word says, then I align myself to that. Because when I don't, that just, just opens up the door for confusion. The ver- The most confused people are the ones that know God's word but don't apply it. When you know God's word but you don't do what it says, you find yourself in a place of confusion because you know what you should do but you don't do it. But as soon as you put yourself in alignment to what God says, it begins to change and decisions become a lot easier. But you're like, well, I know what I need to do. I just need to do it. But if I never align myself to his perspective or his views or his ways, then I'm always in a place of confusion. Or I'm always in a place where I want to talk to God, but I know I'm not living right, so I can't do it. What is that? I'm not in alignment with him. I have to bring myself into alignment. And when the world is trying to make everything common, I have to say my thoughts, I don't care about them. My opinions, they don't matter. I have to come in alignment to what God's word says. Because the world is going to get more and more wicked. But that's the world. I'm coming into alignment with God. I fear God more than this world. The world, they trying to do cancel culture, whatever they want to say. I don't care about all that. I, what does God's word says? I'm aligning to God's word. Because in the end, when I stand before God on the, on the judgment seat, the world is not there. <laughs> Sally on Facebook is not there with her 10 million comments. It's going to be God. And I have to say, I'm coming to alignment with what God says. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way, and the perverted mouth, I hate. Sin is evil, and God hates sin. When I come into alignment with God's perspective, you begin to hate sin. So why, when you do something wrong, do you feel guilty about it? It's because God has already placed that sin is wrong in your heart. And when I come into alignment with God, I say, you know what? I begin to despise the sin in my life. That should be a point where you, when you feel like there's sin in your heart, you do, it's like it should drive you to God, not push you away from him. But when you come more into alignment, you begin to despise sin. I'm telling you, I got to the place where I despised my life. I hated my life for the things. I, I, there was a point where I never thought I would ever be able to stop drinking. There was a bit where I could never stop smoking. There was a point I didn't think I would ever be. There was a lot of things I thought I would never stop doing. But it got to the point where I began to despise my life because I hated that I had to depend on those things. But when I said, you know what, I need to come into alignment with God and I need to align my views with his and just give him my heart. and Guess what? Those things fell away and I don't even think about them anymore. What is that? Because I despise sin. And when I feel it creeping in, I say, you know what, I'm not going that way. Because I know what that role leads to. Yeah, yeah. And there's times where I said, you know what, this is a time. I'm not going to do it again. Oh, I'm going to get right now. I'm going to church. I'm doing it good. And then next week, I'm right back in the same situation. Mm-hmm. What is that? I didn't come in alignment. Mm-hmm. Come into alignment with God. Amen? Amen? That's the fourth thing. Fifth thing is this. Fearing God is being awestruck. Fearing God is being awestruck. When we think about who God is and what he created, we should be awestruck of him. When we get the fear of God, we can become awestruck of who he is because we have access to be close to him. I know we live in a world where people idolize celebrities. And if I could just, and people have entourages. And everywhere these celebrities go, they have a group of people with them. And they're only with them because of what they could do for them. Not that they really care about them. Because as soon as the money stops, they stop too. But when we're with God, it's like we should be awestruck of who God is. But we're like, oh my gosh the creator of the heavens and the earths, he calls me his son. He calls me his daughter. Like he just spoke the earth into existence. That same person calls me his friend. Like he, wants to, he loves me. And when we think about the, like who God is, we should be awestruck of who he is. We should constantly meditate on the things that God has done in our lives and just say, you know what, God, I'm amazed at what you've done. I'm amazed at how you got me through that situation. I'm amazed at how you provided in that season of life. God, I'm amazed that you healed me from that disease. God, I'm amazed that you saved my loved one. God, I'm amazed that you've done all these things that you never gave up on me, that you love me, that your grace is sufficient for all my needs. And when you begin to meditate on those things about the awesomeness of God and just be awestruck of who he is, all your problems will be going away. Because you'll be like, man, I'm not even worried about them problems. I'm focused on God. But the problem is we're not awestruck of who he is, and we focus more on our problems than him. But when you get, that's why you ever talk to a person that you feel like they're more spiritual than, than good? You always talk about God. What is it? They're awestruck. That means they don't walk through things. That means they're just awestruck. they full of, a person that's full of joy is a person that's awestruck by God. Because they know that situations, they may change, but joy is something that's, that, that, that sustains me and that gets me through the bad times because I'm awestruck at who God is. Emotions are temporary, y'all. They come and they go. They change up and down. I could give you $100 and you're happy. I could slap you in the face, now you want to fight me. You're not happy no more. Emotions change. We need joy. We need to be in a place of awestruck at God where we say, you know what, I don't care what I walk through. I'm so fascinated, I'm so fixed on who God is, I'm so awestruck of who he is, I know he's going to provide for me. I know he's going to get me out of this situation. Then that's when things in your life begin to change, when you put your focus and your perspective on him and stay awestruck of who he is. You know, the angels sit around the throne all day long and all they cry out is holy, holy, holy. What does that mean? For all eternity, they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, because they're getting constant revelations of who he is. Constant revelations of his holiness, of how great and awesome he is, because they're constantly for eternity, we'll be awestruck at God as well. But when you get to that place where you're awestruck, I'm telling you, your life will change. (laughs) We behold his glory. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. You know, fire, to worship God in and and holy fear and awe, it means this. It means literally to lay prostrate, to lay down prostrate, and to cry out holy. That's what it means to a holy fear and awe. It means to I'm laying down, face down, with my arms stretched out, just crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's the type of, of passion. That's the type of awestruckness we need to be of God where we're just like, I could just lay in your presence and just cry out holy because I'm so awestruck at you. Alignment. We need to come in alignment with who God is, and we need to be awestruck at who he is. Amen? That was the fifth thing. This is the sixth thing. Still talking about building wisdom on the uh, fear of the Lord. Number six, fearing God is fear. That's deep, isn't it? Fearing God is fear. Some people take away, some people try to take away the fear of God. The word fear in Greek means phobia. In Greek, the word fear means phobia. And have you ever had a a phobia where, like, some people are afraid of heights, afraid of spiders, or water, I don't know what it is, but a phobia. But a phobia is, is a a fear is healthy when it talks about the fear of God. Because sometimes a fear, you ever been in a situation where you feel like this fear came over you, and you're like, something's not right, I need to leave. That's not a bad thing. But sometimes we try to make fear a bad thing. Not all fear is bad. But when we fear God, it means that I have an awareness of where I am, of who he is. There's an awareness inside of me that says I need to watch my decisions. I need to watch what I say. I need to watch where I go because ultimately the fear comes from this point and this point alone is that I know that one day I'm going to stand in judgment in front of him. And because of that, that brings a fear. I don't know if you've ever been in a car and you see those red and, those red and blue lights flash behind you. There's something that... Checks your heart. You're like, oh man, I was, was I speeding? I know I wasn't speeding. It's like, do I, it's like I got my license, I got my registration. It's like all those things running through your mind. What is that? That's an instant fear that grips your heart. How much so should that be when we think about God, when we think about our decisions? It's like He's with us everywhere that we go. God deserves to be feared. In Hebrew, fear translates to Jehovah sees. God sees everything. That should bring a fear in your heart. That God sees everything you do. You you know, we like, well, I'm going to just go by myself when nobody sees me. God sees you. Jehovah sees. That should bring a fear. Even in the most secret of the most secret places that you think nobody sees, Jehovah sees. That should bring a fear because I know I'm going to (laughs) be, I'm going to stand before judgment of God one day. That should bring a fear. Amen? Amen? So those are the six things of of how we build foundation on the fear of God. So what I'm saying is that because we fear God, we should revere him. And these are a few things that we should revere. And I'm going to go through these kind of quick. We should revere his word. Just by his, he spoke and he created the heavens and the earth. And by his word, he's sustaining the heavens and the earth. And by his word, he's going to destroy the heavens and the earth. And by his word, he's going to recreate everything as well. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth by his word, by his voice. So when God calls you blessed, guess what? You're blessed. And when God calls something cursed, guess what? It's cursed. So we revere his word. So whatever God's word says, I take it to the bank. I hold on to that promises. God's word is full of promises. If you need some faith, get you some scriptures on faith and hold on to that. If you need you some wisdom, what we talking about, go through Proverbs. It's filled with wisdom. Hold on to that because God's word, we should revere it. Isaiah 66, 2. My hands have made both heaven and earth, and they and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts who tremble at my word. Revere his word, y'all. Revere his word. When we revere his word, that means we're obedient to his word. There's protection in obedience. When you're obedient to God's word, there's protection Protection there, and it becomes joyful. So we revere his word. Second thing we do is we should revere his name. The reason that God's name is holy is because his name reveals who he is. He told Moses that my name is I am. What does that mean? I am filling the blank. I am healer. I am protector. I am provider. I am your peace. I am your joy. I am your cheerleader. I am your whatever it is, he is. He is, I am. We revere him because his name is whoever you need him to be. If you need him to be a friend, guess what? I am. If you need him to be a father, guess what? I am. If you need him to protect you, guess what? I am. Whatever you need is in his name, so we revere his name. Amen? Amen. Number three, we should revere his presence. There is an approach to God's presence. We don't treat God's presence as common. When you enter his presence, expect him to move and to speak. I don't just come into God's presence and just do what I want to do. Let me just check Instagram. Let me get on TikTok and Twitter and let me just chill. No, there's a reverence that comes when I enter his presence. When I say, you know what, I'm entering to God's presence. I'm expecting him to do speak to my heart today. Anytime I, walk, anytime I read my word, anytime I pray, anytime I listen to worship music, anytime I know God's presence is involved, there's an approach that I have that says, God, my heart is open, speak to me. Yeah. There's an approach to God's presence. And we just don't come into it haphazardly, just come, I'm going to just chill and just see what happens. No, you're not going to get anything from that. We have to say, you know what? I'm coming to church today because I want God to speak to my heart. There's a reason that you came today. It's because you want God to speak to you. And there's an approach to that. You have to open up your heart to say, God, when I come into church today, I know you're going to speak directly to me. And there's an approach that says, God, I need you to speak to me so I revere your presence. In his presence, he makes mountains fall down. In his presence, he can heal you just like that. He can free you in his presence. There's miracles can happen in his presence, but you have to have a certain approach to his presence that says, God, we honor you. And because we honor you, I expect you to move. And now we're giving him access to move. So we revere his presence. Fourth thing, we should revere his holiness. Again, holiness means uncommon. He is uncommon in every way. God is holy in every way. We should be in a place of reverence, we rever- revere his holiness. And that should make our, our thoughts, our words, our desires, our motives, all those things change because we know that God is holy. He's holy. So, I, so his ways are higher than my ways. So if I know that, if I need wisdom, guess what? Who I'm going to? I'm going to God because I know his ways are higher than my ways. Isaiah 8.13, make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one you, who should make you tremble. It's God. Isaiah eight thirteen. The fifth one, you should revere his judgment. You should revere his judgment. You will stand before him and his judgment is eternal. God's judgment is eternal. There's no talking yourself out of it. There's no, we might can slick talk our way out of a lot of things here on earth. But when we stand before God in that judgment, we can't talk our way out of that. At that point, our life's action, our decisions, our motives, everything that we've done in life, that's going to be what speaks for us. And when we do that, we have to revere his judgment because we know his judgment is coming. His judgment is coming, and that should bring a holy fear inside of you. You say, you know what? I need to make some changes in my life because when I read this and I was preparing for this, I said, God, I'm not there yet. (laughs) I'm not there yet, God. I, I still need you to work in my heart. I still need you to move in my heart because I know there's a judgment coming, and I want to be pleasing to you. I want to, do, I want to accomplish everything that you have for me to do because I don't want to get to heaven in a judgment seat, and you say, son, I had so much more for you, but you didn't open up your heart. Oh, my gosh. That, how, how would that feel on the day of judgment? You get before God and says, he showed you everything that he had for you, but you said, but you never allowed me in. I had all this for you, and because you didn't allow me in, I had to give it to someone else. Ron Harbunke, one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived, he said that God called him to Africa. He's a German man, never been to Africa. did. And he said God called him, and he was like, I don't know about that, God. He says, well, I called someone before you, and they didn't answer the call. And I'm calling you, and if you don't, I'll call somebody else. And he answered the call. And as a result... In over Africa, in the continent of Africa, he's seen over 50 million people saved and become into relationship with God. He's in heaven now. And I cannot imagine the ovation he received when he walked through heaven's doors. But he knew that, hey, there's a judgment coming. And I need to answer the call that God has on my life and what a call it was. Now, we might not be called to see 50 million people so saved. But God has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of your lives. Yeah. Meet the call. Yeah. Answer the call. Whatever it is. I don't know what it is. I can't tell you what it is. The only way you can find out is seek the Lord. Yeah. But just know that there is a judgment coming that he says, this is the call I have for you. Did you answer it? Were you faithful in the call? And I'm just trying to encourage you. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to make you fearful. Just, I'm trying to lay a foundation for you that you can build a life full of wisdom. Where you can have a life that's worth living for. The worst thing that you can have is a life that you feel like is pointless. Why do people commit suicide? Because they feel like their life is pointless. There's There's no meaning to life. I have nothing to live for, so I might as well just end it all. That's a life without purpose. You want true purpose? Get in a relationship with the Lord. Pursue him with all your heart. Have a healthy fear of who he is, because when you do that, he will lay the blueprint for wisdom for you. That you will live a life so fulfilled that you're like, I can't believe I can't believe life is this sweet. I can't believe life could be this good. What is that? Because now you're walking in purpose. Now you're walking in purpose. And I'm gonna close with this: the word is full of promises for those that fear the Lord, and you have that on your outline. That I, on your outline, you can follow along. These are all promises, and these are not even all of them. There's more promises. These are just a few that are highlighted. These are promises from God for those that fear him. Psalms 147:11, he delights in them. Psalm 25, 14, he is a friend to them. Malachi 3:16, their names are written in his book. He accepts them. He watches over them. He is their father. His love remains with them forever. He grants their desires. He shows mercy to them. He stores up goodness for them, goodness for them. His angels surround them. How many of you need angels to surround you everywhere that you go? These are all promises. All these things I'm talking about are promises for those that fear the Lord. His angels surround surround them. He is a refuge for their children. How much of our children need refuge? He's a refuge for their children. They will have all they need. How many of you need all, all you want, all that you need? He has it if you fear him. They will have food. I want some steak and lobster. <laughs> he will rest. He will assure their harvest. He will show them the right path, and they will have prosperity, and they will inherit the land. Not only will he show you the right path, you will have prosperity, and he, they will inherit the land. Many of your descendants will inherit the land. His salvation is near to them. They are joyful. They have riches, honor, and long life. He ensures success in leadership. All these things are promises for those that fear the Lord. And again, you could go research all these if you want. There's even more promises, but all of it starts with fear of the Lord. I'm just trying to encourage you today. I'm just trying to get your perspective to shift a little bit and say, maybe we should reconsider what it means to fear the Lord. All these things I don't talk about, go back and revisit these things. Do you align with this? Because there's things in my heart going, preparing this that I've said, God, you got some, I got some work to do. I need you to move in my heart because I want to inherit all these promises. Amen? These promises for us. You want to live a life of wisdom? Fear the Lord. Because you don't want to get later in age and you say, you know what? I got to tear this all down and start over because I've been building on the wrong foundation. True wisdom or the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. God is calling each and every one of us to fear Him. Amen? Hey Amen. You just you, everybody can bow their heads. Fear of the Lord. I know it went a bit longer than usual, and I, I apologize for that, but I just want to make sure I just communicated this as clearly as I can. But God has called each and every one of us to fear Him. And again, this message is not to scare you. I'm not trying to persuade you. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. All I'm trying to do is just give you an open invitation to make a decision for yourself. This is between you and God. This has nothing to do with me. It has absolutely nothing to do with me. This is between you and God. And I believe that the presence of the Lord is here. He's speaking, he's moving, I can feel him. And I know he's touching hearts right now. I know he's speaking to hearts right now. And if you're watching online under the sound of my voice and you say, man, the Lord is speaking to my heart. I feel the Lord drawing me to him. And if you want to say today, today, this morning, I want to commit my life to the Lord. I want to surrender my life to the Lord because I want to walk in the fear of the Lord. I don't want to treat God as common. I don't want to treat him as just another just thing that I do. I want to revere Lord, and I want to walk in the fear of who he is. If that's you, you want to come in right relationship with the Lord. You want to walk in the fear of the Lord. I just want you to lift your hands with no one looking around. Just lift your hands. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. With no one looking around, no, this is not to embarrass anyone or anything. I just want everyone just to place their hand over their heart. I want everyone to do that. Everyone place your hand over your heart, and I want everyone to repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your son. I thank you right now that my sins are forgiven. I confess my sin to you, I give it to you, and I thank you that you're washing it away, that you no longer remember my sin, that you no longer remember my shame, that I forgive myself from past mistakes and past failures, and I look forward to my future in you, where I will fear you, where I will honor you, where I will be awestruck of who you are, And I will allow you to guide my path. I thank you, Lord, for this moment. And I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. If you're watching online and you made a decision to follow God, I want you to drop a comment in the comment section. Let us know that you made a decision. we love to reach out to you throughout the week and be in touch with you. If you're listening to the podcast, go to our Facebook page. You can go to our website at info at newlifemobile.org. Send us an email. Let us know. we love to reach out to you as well. And uh, if you're in the room and you made a decision to follow God, if you look in the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, Let's Connect. You can fill that out, drop it in the bucket during offer time. we love to connect with you. But let's give it up one more time for those that made a decision to follow God. This is the greatest day of your life. A few announcements before we close again for those watching online or on the podcast. This Wednesday, uh, 6.30, we have one hour prayer. We'd love to encourage you guys to be there with us. We'll be here for one hour, 6.30 prayer. Also, Friday, this Friday uh, at 6.30, we have Friday Night Live. We're gonna highlight what God has done this past year, but also look forward to what God is doing in the future, we want to invite you out to that. 6.30, bring someone with you. We'll have food. It's going to be a great night. And also, you can give as well. You can give online. You can go to newlifemobile.org. You can download our app. You can give that way, or you can mail in a check or money order to the address on our Facebook page. You can also find it on the website. Well, man, we love you guys. Thank you for tuning in with us. Hope to see you this Wednesday at prayer and also this Friday at our Friday Night Live. Y'all have a great week.